This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Hi, it's Claire Kimball here, the founder of The Squiz. This week marks six years of putting out The Squiz Today podcast, and I just wanted to say a huge thank you for listening. If you love what we do, and we hope you do, please tell your friends about us. It's all the birthday present we could ever need. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Monday the 27th of March. In your Squiz Today... Labor wins in New South Wales, SA installs an Indigenous voice, Putin makes moves in Belarus, and a lotto fantasy. This is your Squiz Today. Claire, New South Wales has a new government and a new Premier-elect, Chris Minns. He's led the Labor Party to win an outright majority, taking at least 47 seats in the state's lower house in the state election on Saturday. That wasn't the close result that many were expecting, though. No, it wasn't. Pundits had predicted a pretty late night of counting, particularly with some close results in key seats. But ABC's election expert, Anthony Green, called it for Labor within a couple of hours into the count. Uh, Also, the outgoing Premier, Dominic Perrottet, conceded just after 9pm. There's still about 10 seats that they consider too close to call. But from the count so far, it's clear that Labor has gained about 10 seats from the coalition. Western Sydney was a particularly standout region for Labor. And what Chris Min says is their success is due to a focus on issues, particularly around supporting essential workers and opposing the privatisation of state assets. And he said they just had greater traction with the electorate by selecting candidates who had a closer connection with their communities. And Labor's win brings an end to 12 years of coalition rule in New South Wales. On Saturday night, the outgoing Premier Dominic Perrottet took responsibility for the result. He said he'll step down as the Liberal Party leader. And he also encouraged New South Wales voters to get behind Minns. And as Minns settles in, the Liberal Party has been left to work out what went wrong. The strategists seem to reckon that the party's efforts were hampered by One Nation, also the Climate 200-backed candidates there, the Teals. Uh, There were efforts by them to unseat the Liberals, even though their campaigns didn't turn into seats for either One Nation or the Teals. But the main issue, according to the commentators and also to some insiders, is that there's been a lot of infighting about what the Liberal Party stands for, uh, whether they should go harder to the right, so more socially and economically conservative policies, or whether they should go to the left with support for policies like reducing the effects of climate change and support for women and minorities and the like. And it's a big question about what the Liberals need to do to bring voters back on board. And former New South Wales Liberal Premier Mike Baird also weighed in on Saturday night. He said the party's stuffed while it has that fight. The bottom line is that this means there's no mainland jurisdiction led by a coalition government, Claire. Tassie's the only Liberal-led government left, and its next poll isn't due to be held until mid-2025, so it will likely stay that way for a while. But the next test for the Liberals comes up soon enough. Next Saturday is the Aston by-election following the resignation of former Federal Education Minister Alan Tudge. 
We talked a lot last week about the federal push for an Indigenous voice to our national parliament, Claire, and there'll probably be a bit more to go this week too. But yesterday, South Australia became the first state in the country to establish an Indigenous voice. It's all happened after the bill was passed in a special Sunday session of parliament. Yep, the South Australians were pretty happy with themselves and Premier Peter Malinowskis said that he was very proud of the efforts that have been made there. He said that the legislation is momentous for Indigenous people in the state and now that it's passed, the representatives of that South Australian voice will have to be elected in the coming months and it's expected to be up and running before the end of the year. The Attorney-General of South Australia, Kaya Ma, uh, says that South Australia is leading the nation by empowering Indigenous locals uh, to speak to the Parliament, to speak to the ministers and to speak to the government departments. Yeah, Ma says that will lead to positive change for the future. And meanwhile, SA's coalition leader David Spears and his party didn't support the state voice legislation because of what they called flaws in the model. But he said he hoped the voice succeeds. Claire, Russian President Vladimir Putin has moved some of his country's nuclear weapons to its neighbour and ally, Belarus. And for anyone who needs a quick geographical tip, Belarus is also a northern neighbour of Ukraine. Yeah, Belarus has been really quite crucial to Russia's efforts in Ukraine. Mm. And what Russia has also said is that it's helped Belarus to convert 10 aircraft to carry tactical nuclear warheads and they're going to start training pilots next month. What Putin says is that the weapons move is kind of like the United States stationing nuclear weapons in Europe. Uh, They do that from time to time and they say that it's to stop non-nuclear powers from breaking their commitment. So Russia's saying they're really doing what the West has done for many years. Uh, The United States government, for its part, says that it's monitoring the situation. Uh, Meanwhile, on the battlefield in Ukraine, reports say that Ukraine's military forces are fighting back against Russian troops in that ongoing battle for Bakhmut. Uh, It's been going on now for seven months, which is the longest battle of the war. Yeah, Bakhmut is the main point of attack for Russian forces, but British analysts reckon there appears to be a shift from Russia towards a defensive strategy. But the situation is still uncertain there and the coming week of fighting is tipped to be critical. A message now from our podcast partner, Sunbeam. With so many unhealthy snacks on offer, it can be hard to find something to keep your kids satisfied and happy. Sunbeam's dried fruit and cheese chilled snacks contain only real fruit and real cheese with no artificial colours or flavours. And they're a great source of calcium. It's a snack you can feel good about giving them while you're on the go. Pick up a pack today in the dairy fridge at your local Woolworths, Coles or independent retailer. Claire, everyone's indulged in a lotto winning fantasy once or twice, but there's a new study out that says big and sudden increases in wealth. So we're talking about a $140,000 windfall plus can have different effects on the winner depending if they're a man or a woman. Alice, I know you say that we might indulge in that fantasy once or twice. I'm thinking maybe once (laughs) or twice a day. (laughs) But, yeah, when it comes to a windfall like that, um, this study has found that if men win, they're more likely to get 
get married if they're single, uh, about 30% more likely to get married within five years of that win. Uh, For married men, they're 40% less likely to get divorced in that same time frame if they do have a win like that. Uh, Where it gets interesting is what happens with women who win that kind of lottery prize. Uh, The same size lotto win nearly doubles a woman's likelihood of divorce in the short term. So there are a couple of very different approaches to life after you get a bit of cash in your pocket. (laughs) Yeah, and the research was carried out in Sweden too, Claire, which coincidentally was just ranked number six on the World Happiness Index. They do say that men are from Mars and women are from Venus, though, so maybe this all makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Squeeze the day, Claire. What have you seen that we should know about today? A couple of things in court in Sydney. So it's the start of the nine-day defamation hearing brought by Lachlan Murdoch against the operators of Crikey. Uh, That'll probably get a fair bit of media today. Also, neurosurgeon Charlie Teo is back before that disciplinary hearing before the Healthcare Complaints Commission. Yeah, Claire, I know you really wanted to say that the first episode of season four of Succession is out today, so (laughs) I think the team will know where to find you later on. (laughs) Have a great Monday, everyone, and we'll be back again tomorrow. G'day, Kate Watson here. I'm the host of Weekly Wrap and News Club, a place for conversations about the news. It's budget week, so I'm here to tell you about our News Club episode from last week where Claire chatted with James Chessel. He's the former Managing Director of Publishing at Nine Entertainment. He was also a staffer earlier in his career, so they have a good chat about how the budget sausage is made. Here's a small snippet. The most important policy or set of policies the government will announce every year. So it's important that it's not um, announced willy-nilly, although mm. they do leak <laughs> a, a fair amount of it. Yeah. And there is a famous time when a, when um, Laurie Oakes, the nine journalist, got his hand on the budget papers but the day before the budget and was it's able to such print. such an incredible story. Was able to print a lot of it, um, which was, you know, absolutely amazing. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is... A lot of what the Treasurer will announce has the ability to move markets, yeah. um, direct impact on on businesses and, and other organisations. So, you know, there does need to be some rigour and uh, confidence that it will be handed, handled in an appropriate, appropriate way. For more on that chat, just search for News Club in your podcast app or follow the link in your episode notes.